0: Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the podcast in which we review
1: all the best albums of the 80s, one month at a time. We will break them down, give you the skinny, and duke it out over whether you should
0: or should not dig these back out again. If you are ready for an 80s music deep dive, from Public Enemy to Wham, Eno to XTC, Madonna, hair metal, reggae, and all points in between. Then
1: crank the boombox, turn the Walkman up to 10, and, ooh, let's go. Now, from the kitchen, Chris and Henry. So, um, let's see, do we have any... And by the way, I'm Chris, and and I'm Henry.
0: And this is, uh, we're also joined by my cat, Scooter, today.
1: Hi, Scooter.
0: He's sleeping on the table with us, so.
1: So, what we do to uh, select records is we look at... The All Music Guide, I guess you call it, right? It's a website
0: that rates, basically, they try to rate every record that's ever come out.
1: We're we're looking at five-star records. We're looking at Grammy nominees, selections from history that we like. And we're also going to look at the Rolling Stone year in top 25. Every month, we pick out five records to review and compare notes on. This is stuff that we may not know, stuff that we're not really familiar with. Uh, we're not looking at, uh, pitchfork top 25. We're looking at what they, the the five star records that came out at the time. And we're going to listen and provide feedback and tell you whether you should give it another shot or not. And also not to nitpick what Henry said, but we're, we're going to, every record that's
0: on that, on meets one of those four criteria is going to be rated. So some months there's going to be more than five and it's going to take us more than one episode to cover. Um, hence that's why we had a couple that we, had some lean months and that's why i put records there that weren't from that month but anyway that's the way we're going to cover the records and i'm uh, enjoying there are a couple months obviously record companies put records out in certain months right uh-huh. before the christmas season you're going to see october and november is just chock full of records and so I we're going have to split it up aren't we? january and february yeah like november is going to be like three episodes There's 15 records that meet this criteria,
1: but we'll get there and we'll get through them. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. So we this is episode number four, and I think we're getting starting to get used to what the cadence might be on this. We're we're gonna have we have five new records to listen to, one of which we may have heard before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the other four brand new. Yeah,
0: brand new. And and I'm really excited about this episode, Henry, because I have not talked to you before taping at all about your thoughts on any of these five records so we're going in i don't know what you think about them compared to what i think so good. it's gonna
1: be fun we've been good at hanging
0: on to the info do you want to give some uh, facts from april 1980 uh just general history stuff just yeah. to kind of acclimate people to what was going on Then a couple this of things
1: one if you're probably my age you probably remember this but the united states officially severed dep- diplomatic relationships with iran imposed economic sanctions following the taking of American hostages on November 4th. Do you remember these to do the count? Yeah, the day the news. count. I did. And there was that one guy that didn't have any hair. He had a long, he had kind of a long face, I remember, and a really wide covering over his eyes and part of his nose, probably. Yeah, like a cloth bandage. Yeah. over. I just yeah. remember every every day, Frank Reynolds on ABC News would give the news. This is... They won such and such and so of the, of the hostage crisis. And I didn't have any idea what it was about or why. Right. I just knew that it was shitty. That it was happening. Yeah. And the other is Rosie Ruiz. Do you remember this? Won the Boston Marathon, but is later exposed as a fraud. You didn't, do you remember that? No. (laughs) So Rosie started the race. She's just a regular person. She's not a professional.
0: Like, you know, now everybody that wins are professional runners. She started the race, ducked out. At about like mile six, no one noticed, hopped in a car, went to the near the finish line, waited and magically popped out of the crowd. And obviously, this had to be before cameras. Yeah. Well, I think there were cameras, but not like it wasn't televised. It wasn't
1: all along the route, right? right.
0: Nobody noticed. She pops out in front, like with four miles to go. And everyone's like, holy crap. Like, how did she get there? Like, this woman's killing it. and We didn't even notice because you got to remember she didn't have to be in the very front of the race. She just had to be in front of uh, the leading woman because some of the men had already gone by. Yeah, and uh, she ended up winning the race, but they they found her out as a fraud. Anyway, why don't why don't we get into records, Henry? That's what we're here to cover.
1: Yeah, that's true. What uh, first record we're going to talk about is what, Chris? It's uh, Empty Glass by Pete Townsend, mm-hmm. and we're going to listen to um, Let My Love Open the Door from that record. That's the one.
0: Yeah, oh, that was that.
1: the, that was the title. That was the exit song at my cousin's wedding. Okay. So that's pretty, that's, that's a good when exit I song. Open the door. I like that. To your heart. Yeah. So I know that one really well. I, I don't think I knew, uh, I knew one other song on the record, Rough Boys. Right. Rough Boys. I didn't know the, any well, of the we'll, other.
0: We'll talk about Rough Boys. I think we got to give
1: it its mm-hmm. own, its own separate bit. Separate bit. What are your, what are your thoughts on the record as a whole though? I liked it a lot. I think I liked it better than I liked The Who. In some situations, what about you?
0: Yeah, I I think the interesting thing about that that I learned about that record. So, um, you know, Pete Townsend pretty much was the songwriter for the Who. Yeah, um, and this was in a period. You know, Keith Moon died in 1976, and I guess I don't know all the ins and outs. I'm not that big of a Who nerd, but they decided to keep going. So Pete's writing songs for both this project and the new Who record at the same time. And I, I, apparently there was a lot of animosity post the two records coming out because the, the Who record was called Face Dances, which came out in 1981, mm-hmm. and it was a bomb. Um Apparently Roger Daltrey and management, a lot of people were like, that uh, Empty Glass would have made a great Who record. It was much more popular than the Who record. And it's always been a mystery to me what, and I found it interesting, What what made him decide which songs were going to be uh who songs and which songs were going to be not who songs. Uh, you know, he I'll... did make the argument about rough boys saying Roger Daltrey said he wouldn't sing rough boys. And he also said empty glass. Apparently there is a version that they did live one time, I believe before Keith moon died really where he had brought empty glass, but then used it for his own. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It kind of reminded me of the whole Steve Perry thing later in the eighties when, Journey got so pissed because uh-huh.
1: Steve Perry wrote a hit for himself and didn't bring it to Journey. But, but like a lot of people have called this the Who album that never was. Right. And I could totally see that. Um, was the, did the Who write songs for keyboards and all that stuff before this, or is this his first sort of foray into that?
0: Well, you, you'd have to check right. me for sure, but I believe Face Dances had, uh, Eminence Front on it. That's what I was wondering. Uh, and Eminence Front is a very keyboard driven song. And then there's a famous Who song in the seventies that's got the keyboard uh, intro. It's got the synthesizer intro that literally Townsend got the synthesizer when they first made synthesizers. Like, it looks like it, there's a video of him coming up with the opening bit. Is Bob, is that Bob O'Reilly? It probably is Bob O'Reilly. We, we should
1: check out that. here in the fields. And it starts with it that starts thing that, going, do, that really do, repetitive do, 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 bit. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. he
0: spent days working on that. And it looks like if you watch the video, it's like he's in a space shuttle. Like he's he's patching cords and stuff. So I definitely think they were doing they were ahead of the curve See, on the keyboard like, stuff.
1: What the reason why I think this record was good? It's because it's esoteric, without being kind of avant garde, right? It's definitely not avant-garde. It's not not an avant-garde, but and even
0: Townsend even admitted as much. He didn't think it was as creative as he he wanted it to be. It wasn't as like uh, out there. But I also found it interesting. I think what from the reading I did, I think what made I think what he decided whether it was true or not was these songs were too varied and of a personal nature to be a who song because at this point he felt the who had painted themselves into a corner yeah. of we have, to put, we have to put out a certain type of song. And I think um, he really liked dealing with these issues for the first time mm-hmm. on the record, but he didn't feel like it was a who, it was who subject matter. It's and too I, personal. And I could see where he wouldn't want Roger Daltrey singing that Why stuff.
1: would I give you so- songs that are so personal to me? For the band, especially at this fraught time where I just but got... Which is
0: weird because don't, Quadrophenia, to me, was really just autobiographically about Pete Townsend. So it was weird to me for him to say this record was too autobiographical. Well, maybe he didn't ever think of Quadrophenia as being autobiographical.
1: It is the coolest cover, too. W- which one? Of this one.
0: Uh, Empty Glass? Yeah. Well, it, I he's got that halo on his... Right. You know, and, and you know, he's what, I don't know if you saw this where he said that basically the, the title comes from, um, the notion that, and they had a, they did the whole Beatle thing where they had a guru, like a mm-hmm. guy, and the, the notion that going to God is like going to a bar and mm-hmm. God is like the bartender. And if you go, if you go to a bar with a full glass already, there's no way God or the bartender can fill your glass up with, so, the analogy is pete towns you you can't already have a glass full of love for yourself you've got to let all that go so that you can fill it up with the love of to God. be filled up by God and so I guess that album cover is he's kind of like God is the bartender waiting to fill fill up the glass Wait, with
1: love. is the glass empty or full on the on the cover on the cover? I believe it's empty I mean so, and that's why he looks kinda he looks like. Pete Townsend.
0: Yeah, I, I thought something was a little interesting. Worn. He,
1: he just looks worn on the cover. That he, but he that's did as cool, an experiment. Though. You know, he took two years
0: off after Keith Moon died yeah. from
1: touring. The
0: uh, members of the Who were des- other members were desperate to tour, and everybody wanted him to tour. And he decided to take two years off because he had all these problems in his personal life that he thought would be solved if he wasn't touring. And then he got to the end of the two years and said, nope, they're worse. Actually worse, and he wrote an album about it, which I I love his honesty. Like, yeah, that didn't that didn't fucking work either. So <laughs> my marriage is actually worse than it was than when it I was on the road,
1: <laughs> busting at home.
0: The other thing I thought about this record, Henry, was I I like I wanted to compare it to a record
1: we covered last uh, can, month. Can you make the connection? I I'm trying. I'm sorting through the deck in my head. I can't. I and don't, part of this might be my reaction to
0: it, and have nothing to do with Pete Townsend. However. I felt like both those guys, Billy Joel and Glass Houses and Pete Townsend Empty Glass, which that's not the connection, but, um, the glass, we're both trying to make a rock, a credible rock and roll record in the post punk time, being both guys too old to be new wave. Uh huh. Right. But, but, but still, but still wanting to be relevant. Uh, Um, and so to me, the comparison is not that the records sound alike at all. It's that they sound completely not alike. One sounds like quality from a quality, in my opinion, a quality songwriter, mm-hmm. and the other sounds like what we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, too. well, one, yeah,
1: one yeah. record is uh, is a man's uh, authentic attempt to try to purge himself of some demons and some ideas and all of those things, and the other one is a cash grab from a guy who's trying to write hits, He's trying to ape somebody else to write hits. That's right. what I right. You know, and
0: the other record I wanted, I, I. I compared to a record I like infinitely better, however, wow. uh Tusk, where I felt like there's a band that was a 70s mm-hmm. rock band big and were trying to do something relevant without uh acting like they were 18-year-old punks because they weren't. Mm-hmm. And creatively, I think Tusk came out much better than even this record. But this record's not bad.
1: So I, I did a little thinking. Remember last pod, maybe pod before last, you were trying to f- come up with a name or a moniker for these guys like – Marshall Crenshaw and Nick Lowe,
0: Elvis Costello, and Elvis
1: Costello, and to some degree Huey Lewis, right, right, right. Um,
0: I, I feel like that was a type of pop, yeah. post, post, uh, right. post-punk. Here's that I could here, never name. Here's
1: my stupid moniker. You came up with one. I came up with one. New wave Ooh. singer-songwriter power pop. Yeah, it's too long and too many words. It well, does
0: describe it, but you need to you need to bring it down right. to something. Oh, let's keep, keep working on it. I got to uh, I, I got to figure out what that's going to be. Maybe an acronym. You got a good acronym in there.
1: North.
0: <laughs> I did. Here's Wait, a, you're not going to put the Pete Townsend in there though. Uh, no. Right. I don't. I don't want to do that either. No.
1: Because he's not really that. I mean, I don't no. know how to no, describe him. No. no, it. no. no. But
0: uh okay so we also need to bring up Rough Boys before we Rough
1: Boys is like
0: This it, is the first track off the o- off of Empty Glass.
1: Officially Um the song was dedicated to his children, Emma and Minta, and he also dedicated it to the Sex Pistols. But when you read the lyrics, it's very obviously a longing or a pining after uh, a guy's you know? Yeah,
0: I think, I think it was his way, in my, my opinion, it was his way of coming out as bisexual at the very least, maybe uh, more.
1: I, but it's so on the nose that how do you, it's like, it's like he's hiding in plain sight. Well, right? I, I don't know that he
0: was hiding. I think he was, I think the hiding part was society didn't want to admit that that's what he was writing about. So people tried to put it off as it can't be that. Or the, that's though, just
1: weird Pete. Even though Townsend. I
0: think Pete was just saying that's what the fuck it is, but I thought it was very bold for 1980, uh, to be that out front on it, which was actually a minor hit too, which I was thinking about that. I, I don't know that Rough Boys could be a hit now.
1: Cause it's too gay?
0: Well, for, for that style of music, I think that that style
1: of music is, is more homophobic now than yeah, you,
0: know, you you wouldn't hear rock and roll. Like, yeah, like peoples. what Billy
1: Squire did do is sure, know, sure. I mean, I don't even know if we've talked about it on the pod, but uh, the Billy Squire video. You know, we'll get to that. We'll we're, we're we got to save that for when we cover that album. To your research, people, you know what I'm going to talk about.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to say, then Henry, I was aware, I was aware of that this record when I was a kid, but it was not really my. It was not in my world. Um. Now, I would say I respect it. I think it is a very good record. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not going to recommend it. Um there's something about it that still to me isn't interesting enough or there's not enough going on pushing the boundaries mm-hmm. for me to go this is a record I would recommend you go back and listen to. But it's definitely a good record. There's nothing wrong
1: with it. It's it, yeah, it's, it'll get a thumbs up from me. It's not uh it's it's one of the best solo records from a guy who was already in A successful band. I love what you said
0: there because I saw a note on Wikipedia that Rolling Stone said this is the number five record (laughs) from a man that was in a successful band. And I thought, well, wouldn't the other four all be Beatles record? Wouldn't the other four be like John Lennon, John John Lennon, Lennon, Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney? That's a dumb fucking category.
1: (laughs) Henry, what's our next record going to be? All right. The next record we're going to talk about, the Eno the Eno Jag still goes on. yeah, another Eno record. in April our first, we he released a record in January with one with one dude. Yes. Now we're going to do uh, another record he did with a piano player by the name of Harold Budd. Some of you guys who were big alternative music fans um, know of of him uh, working with the Cocteau Twins on the moon and the Melodies, right? Yeah, one of my favorite records. I think this is. Could this be? I think it's accurately categorized as as a Harold Budd record that Eno plays all over. Right? I th-
0: well, I think that's interesting because I th- I think Eno would like you to think that. I don't, and I don't know that even Harold Budd would because yeah. the, the idea was more Eno's. But yeah, like the, if you just if you break down who you hear the most of. Mm-hmm. You definitely hear a lot more Harold Bud than you hear Brian Eno. And speaking of that, why don't we play a song? Sounds good. Uh, this is First Light. On this one, Harold Budd is a piano player, and he's basically having Harold Budd uh, improvise over top of "quote unquote" treatments that yeah. he put together. And, um, so if- again, it's kind of cool because he kind of is doing sampling before anybody was doing it, just making these minimal. And I'm talking minimal, like there are tracks where I don't even notice anything but the reverb.
1: Piano. Piano. Did you listen to it on headphones, or did you put it in the air? Uh, The first time I listened to it, just in the air, and then I listened to it on headphones. I I did that um, same thing, except I listened to uh, the first maybe five or six tracks out loud, and then I went headphones for a, a full cycle and a half on this one. I went to the headphones and,
0: because I had read that you can hear the tape hiss.
1: Yes. From some of Eno's treatments, going which I yeah. never picked up in the air. I didn't either. So, I, And not only that, but if you listen, you can hear things moving around. And I couldn't tell if this was Harold. You know, He does this style of piano playing they call soft pedal. And I don't know exactly what that means, but it seems like it's him playing with the, the, uh, the pedals on the floor. You know, they can do a delay. Right. And all, and, and it, he can use it to, to go up and down and accent certain notes within that structure.
0: Also, the interesting thing about it, I didn't know till reading about this record, it was part of what his, he was trying to do was play just above the level where you can't hear it. So I'm wondering if some of that pedal stuff was like he was playing so quietly that he knew you were going to hear the pedals mm-hmm. over top of the notes he was playing. So he's
1: probably trying to do them really quietly. I wonder why they just, they didn't try to remaster it to get rid of the hiss. He liked that. Actually, Eno liked that. And Eno
0: said um, the, the record has never been intended to be listened to that closely. The record was intended to be listened to secondarily. So he thinks it's better. He thinks all the ambient records are better if you are listening or doing something else and it's in the background. I don't know if you know the story about where he first came up with music for uh, airports. No, I don't. He had a bad car wreck, car accident, hmm. and he kept hearing the background music, like the Muzak type music in the hospital. And he was became obsessed with it because he thought it was better and it was Perfect when he wasn't paying attention to it, but if he started paying attention to it, he didn't like it. And then he mm-hmm. he wanted to know what caused that. Could he actually intentionally create music that was better and meant to be listened to only uh, with your brain kind of turned off from mm-hmm. it? And so that's what the ambient experience is. So he wasn't really. I don't think he was put off off by it, but I don't think he would have. I don't think he would be like Henry. You and Chris should have been listening to this record intently <laughs> through headphones. He was like, you should have been reading a book while you listened. Yeah, it? yeah. It, it was really. I I know this, is which a, is music I like now because I don't. I like to put something on and just go do other things now, and I really now I'm really appreciating a lot of the Eno stuff that's ambient because I don't have
1: to put a lot of uh, energy into it. And well, that's what the way that Harold Budd apparently had tried to conduct his career from the 70s up until then like he had worked really hard to strip the music down to basics right and uh it's it sort of it's, it's essentials and he, he made some remarks over the uh, way back then that said something like uh i'd basically minim- minimized myself out of a career
0: right and i and i actually really appreciate it and i actually think that his sound especially on this
1: record yeah
0: to me sounds like what the future still is supposed to sound like it reminds me of uh, blade runner or yeah it didn't it hasn't dated this, at all this reverb slow mm-hmm. piano that's barely playing any notes and then un- you realize at points and there's this background ominous hums and mm-hmm. stuff and it's like Man, that's what like science fiction movies are supposed to sound like to me now, even. But, so I love, I love that.
1: Yeah. And, uh, some part of me was trying to make comparisons with, uh, George Winston. The only way that only comparison that I can make is that where Winston would take these, you know, strong melody, you know,
0: well, I found, I found
1: things a- and, and take the left hook. He, he blocks into, um, a more droney kind. I don't know. It's it's kind of like what I was
0: trying to tell you about the piano guy last week that I listened to the more modern guy. It's more of a drone. It's more about the mood and the tone than it is about um, variations on a theme, Yeah. which is kind of a jazz thing. But I did find an article that talked very much about Wyndham Hill records being very much um, copying the substance of – the ambient, the Eno ambient records, but not mm-hmm. the style. And that Eno always hated because he got lumped in with Wyndham Hill for a while. Oh, really? Feeling like he had nothing, you know, obviously he had nothing to do with that. And that they were kind of ripping his shit off in a bad way, like in the worst possible way. Oh,
1: but I know that, uh, and I read a little bit about Harold Budd. He was 40, 43 or 44 when he did. So he was getting up there when he did this. He is now 82 years old. Wow. Well, I, I have to say I'm much more
0: familiar going into this with the Harold Budd Cocteau Twins record, The Moon mm-hmm. and the Melodies, which, by coincidence, you mentioned your cousin. This uh, mm-hmm. That record we played um, a song off of When My Wife Walked Down the Aisle. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> Megan walked down the aisle to a Interesting. Harold Budd's piano. So I'm a big fan of all, The Moon and the
1: Melodies. You know, for all accounts, what I've read is that Harold Budd is kind of a contrarian. I, I in can general. see that. And Guthrie said that. Robin Guthrie from the caucus. Sorry. I sure. assume everybody knows this. Right. Uh, Robin Guthrie said that if you go talk to him, you need to bring a bottle of wine with you. And a couple of the other guys that worked with him said that some of the that when they worked with Harold Budd, that he was drunk hmm. every time. Well, that's not that unusual. No, it's not. Circle. It's not. And he lives in L.A. and hates it. Or did. Right. And spent a good bit of time out in the desert. And, um, you know, he's made all these, uh, over the years, he's made made these remarks about quitting music and all of that kind of stuff. But when he said it, he was depressed. And, but he's just a, he was always been, from what I can tell, a, a cantankerous but fun loving guy too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and I, and I would say
0: my, biggest connection with this record that we're covering the Eno record um, prior to the last five or six years was I think without this record without Harold Budd working with Eno uh, the Cocteau Twins would never have approached Harold Budd mm-hmm. to make one of my favorite records The Moon in the Melly so wow. I was very happy with that then I was aware of this record when, in the mid 80s uh-huh. my brother was a big Eno guy uh-huh. I, I, it bored the shit out of me like I didn't get ambient music at all I would say now I love it and this is the first record of this episode that I'm going to highly recommend for people our age that like something that's that you can listen to in the background and not have to put a lot of attention to.
1: Yeah. Uh this is I think this is great. Why do you think Harold Budd would say that he does not want to be considered an ambient music person? Like, I uh, found because that I, weird. It, because, because he never didn't, didn't want to be it.
0: pigeonholed uh as something. But I mean it's like he never did explain that, really. Yeah, but it's the same way as like probably Peter Gabriel didn't want to be pigeonholed as uh, doing prog music. Yeah. In the
1: seventies, he did some work with Andy Partridge of XTC, and they said Andy Partridge said that him and Harold Budd came across the idea that if you turned, um, for example, Judas Priest down to a low volume, that that would be considered ambient music.
0: I think that was a joke. That's what he said. So, what are your what are your thoughts on this record? Uh,
1: I like it a lot. Um, uh, I think the thing that I appreciate about it the most is that, uh, along with George Winston's record, it gives me a new appreciation of piano players and the kind of skill and technique that you can and creativity that can go into. Uh, piano music it's not really something that i've given a lot of attention, uh, attention to in my life and so i'm uh I, I'm, I sort of found a new little love affair with uh good piano music
0: henry our next record is called los angeles and it's by a band called x that's right and we're going to play the title track called los angeles <laughs>
1: Shot at this one, Andrew. So, first album from the band, the LA band X. Right. John Doe, Exine Cervenka, Billy Zoom. I, am I saying her last name right? Yeah. Billy Zoom and uh, DJ Bonebreak. That's <laughs> my favorite band. That's my favorite name for a drummer. <laughs> DJ Bonebreak. DJ Bonebreak. Who's your drummer? DJ Bonebreak. That's <laughs> kind of a, a Bonebreak. Had you let me ask you this have you yeah. had you heard this record before we went to review it uh, I think I had probably heard three or four songs off of it and that's only because I might have been at the right party at one time Cuz see or something. I I have this weird
0: uh, feel uh, having known, known you since high school 20 something years maybe longer than that mm-hmm. I I always just assumed you were an ex guy I always thought you were Way into X. A lot more than I was. And you well, knew about Well, there was that
1: it. whole country thing. About, that, well, we'll, we'll get right? there. Is we, that,
0: I, I feel like John Doe kind of d- drifted into alt-country. and Maybe I mean, that's where you got Even at. later period X, uh, before we went live here, we were I remember playing some of their videos. I, we I we re- played
1: one that I thought sounded real alt-country. Fourth of July. Have you heard that song? I don't think I have. Uh, they had the coolest record cover. The cover just says Los Angeles at the top. And it's got... The X on the front, that's on fire, right? I thought that that is a that is the coolest record cover uh, I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, so I guess I backed into I backed into X from John Doe being an alt country uh, guy. And I, my, my memory as a kid, I only remember this one video. I guess from this record, the uh, Johnny Hit and Run Pauline uh-huh. song. Um, and I didn't like them at all. I thought they were the punk version of Meatloaf, So I didn't like the whole dual guy-girl, female-male duet kind See, of like, thing. See, that's
1: the part that I thought was re- – that's the only bit that's redeeming for me. Well, that, now I'm talking about the way I was when I was 12. Oh. I think it's great. Now, I,
0: I can't think of another band that had duets, uh, male-female kind of duets. I do think if you look at that video f- from 81, um, they weren't a punk band. Oh,
1: you said punk band. Yeah,
0: uh, if you look at if you look at that video from '81, which is a live video from the uh, yeah. decline of Western civilization. That's movie, where I saw them movie. the first time. They remind me of the punk version of Meatloaf and that girl standing up doing yeah. by the dashboard lights thing. The only thing missing is John Doe's not fat as fuck, and he's not holding a rag to wipe his uh <laughs> or wipe his head. <laughs> But um, You just
1: indicted meatloaf. Yeah, so
0: I, did not, I didn't like this. I didn't like anything about X when I was a kid. I was really pleasantly surprised going back and listening to this with pod. And I was really upset that the only way you could get this record, streaming-wise, was on YouTube. Now, that sucked. And didn't you find I couldn't a lot believe of that. reviewers saying how great and seminal this record was? And then, I'm and looking then it's, and it's not like, there. It's not, not only is it not there... I didn't find a lot of stuff about it. It's See, hard to find out. Stuff I was about looking
1: it. forward to listening to this record, right? Because I thought, like you did, all oh, this will be in my wheelhouse. I'm gonna like this. I thought it I re- was in it- my mind. I remembered listening to uh, or seeing that bit on decline of Western civilization, and I remember looking at scene and I remember liking John Doe, like as like an actor, like I knew. Yes, of that. yes. And I knew that they were in a band called X and I knew that they would be cool. But when I when I went and listened to the record, I'm like I'm kind of underwhelmed, you know. It sounded like to me sort of uh guys who were very competent on their instrument, <laughs> extreme, you know, who were just kind of copping a punk pose, you know, to get by. So that's what it sounds so to like me, to me. And
0: I and I do remember this and I, I they kind of defined they were the first one that, that defined the L.A. punk. They were the first L.A. Yeah. punk. I agree with you, but I like it for that reason. It doesn't sound punk to me. It yeah. sounds about yeah. as punk as the police trying to be punk on so. and Donna. They play too well. Yeah, John Doe's too good of a songwriter. I feel like he's really already starting or wants to write country songs, and he's just making them rockabilly enough, with Billy Zoom being a very rockabilly guitar yeah. player, for it to be, quote-unquote, Punk, but I, I I always thought punk was now this is me again. I always thought punk was basically a New York thing,
1: and I just that, went, well, I mean, well, tell wait, that to Black but, Flag, right?
0: Well, and, but, but 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 all of that was so that was like after. It's kind of like calling uh, Mud Honey or something punk. grunge, oh, okay. you know, like grunge had or, already yeah. flown the coop. I found this much more comparable to early Replacements records than I did to quote unquote the Sex Pistols or. You know, I guess I a, could see the comparison. A, uh
1: bobby pin through your nose, punk. You know. Guess I could see the comparisons. I would like to hear their later work too.
0: Yeah, check, one, out, uh, check The, out the most annoying. Work, I'm not saying this is a bad record,
1: but I've heard bad records in our project here. This is not one. But one of the most annoying things about it was that they got. Well, Ray Manzarek did like four. He produced four of these records. You know, yeah that's the first so one interesting that, to me and he's all over this one in certain places to right. the point of annoyance like especially on Nausea. I don't know if you listened to that one I did and you, it's like it but it's so it's almost like hey I'm here you know <laughs> it it sounds out of place yeah. to me for Yeah do you what know what they I'm were talking doing. about yeah I agree I don't think he ruined it he didn't ruin the record but he certainly made his presence known I haven't listened to the other ones, but the report is that he laid off that shit. It movie. just seems weird to me that, it, like, it sounds like a guy who's been asleep
0: since 72, who is relevant, woke up and then started putting his shit on top of the, like, eh, that's cool you're producing it and you've got a good name, but why are you putting that all over yeah, top of
1: yeah, the song? Cause Yeah, because it almost doesn't match. It almost doesn't match. But I, but overall,
0: I, w- I guess what I was expecting, Henry, was I was expecting a black flag. I type did too. record and i actually i think you were disappointed in that yeah i liked what i was hearing i guess i guess punk. i appreciate right. it now because i can't think of another punk band that had a male female duet yeah. thing going but i don't know that i like she
1: it. said a few things about um about working with manzarek when he died about five years ago he she said that she was in the studio and they were being all drunk and wild and everything. And they'd been trying to do this one part about 15 times. And Ray Eric would calmly on the talk back say, you know, this means forever because <laughs> she's under the idea, you know, like relationships come and go money comes and goes, but this is like a respected thing. This, whatever you're doing right here, right now, what we're doing is going to last forever
0: which you know, I don't know about forever but it's lasted a long time. Well,
1: it will go down in perpetuity. Yeah, I mean, we until they're gone.
0: And we're talking about it right now. And
1: I that's what he was try the point he was trying to make is that whatever you're doing right now, all this fucking about you're doing with these 15 takes and being drunk and stupid right is is uh is is taking away from from your forever statement. Right. So he he was like he could understand the gravity of that whole process. I'm, I, w- I will go and listen to the other um, X records. I bet they're even better than this one.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say then, uh, obviously, I didn't like X at all. Uh, now I'm going to say I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not going to give this a recommend. I'm going to recommend to you that you go listen to Late Period X, which I like a lot, or John Doe Solo Records, because I think when he finally just goes ahead and does um, country music, or what people called alt-country, and not try to be punk, he was much better.
1: Yeah, be I'm punk. not giving a, a solid opinion on have, it either. Also, he didn't have X-Scene with him, which I thought was better. But if you're curious, <laughs> I, can't, I still can't believe it's not on Spotify because it's such a... Uh, That's a shocker, too. It's on everybody's top you know, list of, of seminal punk records. Seminal punk records.
0: Henry, what's but our next record? Do
1: I, do I get the honor? Yes. I Thank was, you. I, I, and
0: I, I did this in the I, notes on I, purpose because I, I knew you that. wanted to cover this one.
1: I do. I do. So the next band we're going to cover are the Feelys from, I guess you call it Hazelden, New Jersey. They played at Maxwell's a lot. Barrett, one of my favorite bands of all time. And
0: what's the record
1: we're going to And the record with? we're going to uh, listen to is uh, that we listen to is called Crazy Rhythms. But uh, the, call, the song that we're going to play for you is uh, called Original Love.
0: All right, Henry go ahead and nail this one this is your okay, this
1: is your so shit right here th- this is my shit uh you know a lot of people think that it's the guitars that make this record so good i would take issue with that i think it's it has a lot to do with the frenetic drumming there's a there's a neurotic kind of energy on this thing that's hard to define it, there's um that and these guys make the most out of like Two and a half chords, right? Of any band I've ever heard, they they play uh, sort of chimey, hollow body guitars. They have a a drummer that is uh, frenetic, herky jerky. You think that, is that the best way to describe it? Herky jerky.
0: Yeah, that, I mean that's a good neurotic
1: way. is the best way I can des- describe it. The uh, one interesting thing about this one is that they got Anton Fear to play the drums on it. You know, he left the band right after this, and the follow-up to it was still good, but it was didn't really have the same the, the same jag that this one did. There's something special about this one with that drummer and the bass player that added this extra element. Uh, I don't know if it's their youth, you know, that might have caused it, or if it's the personnel because it was like Glenn Mercer. Bill Millie, Anton Fear, and Vinny DeNunzio, Right. And DeNunzio and Anton Fear left the band to do some other stuff. And one of which, he he played with who? again?
0: Yeah. I, I want to say he started, but he was definitely a major part of the Golden Palominos,
1: which was like this
0: super group of Maybe Southern that's where I artists.
1: Remember, we were really into the Golden Palominos for right. a little bit. And I, I think that when I listened to this again for the umpteenth time, I realized what I think is that I think Anton Fear contributed at, uh, a whole lot to how this came off in the end. I read that in th- when the labels were... There was a big major label push for these guys even before they put this record out on Stiff Records. And they went and met with Philip Glass... Did you know this? No. And uh, they, Philip Glass said, you know, you guys sound like you have a pretty good idea of of what you, uh, you know, want to be and how you want this to go. I uh, think you should just. I'm, I'm not going to do this. And Bill Million's like, well, it was cool to meet, you know, Philip Glass. Sure. <laughs> You know? yeah, but imagine what what would the record have sounded like if if Phil Glass had gotten a hold of it. I know that's that's kind of a crazy thought. But apparently these guys were really stick stick to your, uh stick to their guns kind of fellas. You know, uncompromising characters. What did you mm-hmm. think of it? Um well well first off um
0: uh, the name says it all. Uh, crazy rhythms is Exactly, what you're going to get with this record that's what it's about. I mm-hmm. don't think it's the guitars either, I think it is the drumming and the bass. Um, I think what people like about the guitars were they were kind of sparse and velvety, velvet underground ish mm-hmm. over top of those crazy rhythms. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, looking back, I didn't realize we really actually discovered this record in the 90s, me and you, yep. because we were. And I, the point I wanted to make about this record, I think it was actually More Time for a Witness, It was. which came out in 91. We went and saw them but, at the 1313 Club in Charlotte. But that show was our Sex Pistols show because we came out of that show saying, we can do this. We can do this, right. Not, that was a great show. We came out of it going, that was a great show done by people like us. Yeah. We could see that regular people could do this type of music, and we were inspired to do it. The where I where I want to differ with you is going back and listening to Crazy Rhythms. I'm not sure that I like it that much. Really? I like Time for a Witness a lot better. Now, I will give Anton I'd, Fear credit for this. It took two drummers on Time for a Witness to recreate what it, the kind of rhythms that you associate with the feelies yeah, yeah. that Anton Fear was doing by himself on Crazy Rhythms. The thing that I hear a lot now on Crazy Rhythms that what? you probably like that I didn't. Was this to me sounded like a drummer and a bunch of guys, young young guys, uh-huh. trying not to make crazy rhythms? Just not that great of players yet. I don't know. And they are kind of emphasizing the goofy drum work, which is I, I, which I, that sounds like I'm being harsh. That's interesting. But I feel like the songwriting was much better by time for uh, a witness. I also feel like this record kind of gets tedious to me the further along I get. That's interesting. It starts with these nice, weird, slow intros with kind of noodly guitar, which I like. And then all of a sudden, it ramps into these crazy rhythm, uh, almost... Almost, uh, in, in, uh, American Indian type, just like, dun, 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 but that's all four four. It's not really that crazy. I think some of them were playing percussion on the record. They like, probably were. Like they probably like- were. But I give them full faith and credit because they were like regular kids trying to make an amazing record, not trying to sound like anybody else. And yeah. they did that. And they did inspire us greatly.
1: Um, just later on. Well, we just happened to see them at the, at the pinnacle of their powers before they quit. Right. And then know, we kind of,
0: we kind of backtracked to Crazy Rhythms, which we but, really, we were really, yeah. You know, when I did
1: it. and I heard his guitar work, I was, you know, this is where you fall in love with adding the seventh, you know, right? And it becomes a different chord, it becomes a different chord, right? And you all can of, play with that in endless ways. But the neat thing is all know? of
0: the, all, everything on Crazy Rhythms is like a, and this is what I was going to say for the way I thought of it then, yeah, is a handbook for how to do it. You can hear. If you're not a good guitar player yet, you how don't have adding to. a seventh changes a chord because you can hear him just right. add pinky fingers. Right. You can hear if you're a drummer. And let me tell you, my first foray trying to be in a band was I was trying to learn how to play drums. <laughs> right. I could play along to Feely's songs and kind of mimic what was going on. And I could tell this is how you, this is how you hit toms and this is how you hit snares. So it definitely provided a blueprint for us. Uh, as aspiring young musicians, I wonder. How I would the, say now I find it kind of tedious. And yeah. if I was going to recommend a record from the Feelies, I would. You would recommend, recommend
1: another one, A Time for a Witness. Well, like this, this one would be. I would just say start here. That's all i think that's a, I think you should listen to them all, did you know you can't get time for a witness online yeah i, I,
0: I how fucked up was that because I was
1: trying to go back and, and you
0: know i I was thinking about that because I think even at the time that we went to see them, yeah, they had kind of been away for a while. I think time for a witness was kind of one of those tapes that Fulfilled. was in the uh $5 was in the discount bin. Yeah, it was like it was like one of the failed uh, indie rock records.
1: I think it was. I think they were doing it to fulfill a contractual obligation. <laughs> I like it a lot. And then get out. And I think I remember the uh, the front of it being them sit, sitting on a rug. Yeah,
0: it's like a brown cover with all you them know, sitting in the, on a rug. Mercer
1: said that what they were doing. He he said that you know at the time that they did the feelies they'd been around a while they'd been doing some other bands.
0: Well, Time for a Witness came out in 91, and this one came out in 1980. So they've been around yeah. 11 years.
1: Uh, also, so many people have heard the Feelys version of Paint It Black. Yes. Right? That's yes. like the big. Right. If you Even if you haven't heard the Feelys, you've probably heard their version of this song. That wasn't even on this. They no. added this later right, to the CD. Which is
0: funny, because that, I heard it on this record because I yeah. bought it as a reissue. So. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, that was my first impression of them was painted black. So,
1: and so, and, and they uh, came back after a, a long hiatus and, uh, and are starting to do, uh, new music again. They, uh, I would say they're very age appropriate sounding now. Don't you think? Yes. Yes. Um, they, they're not, they're not really particularly as, um, neurotic sounding. I no. Guess, and, I as would, as and I would, and I would say,
0: I would like them better now, but if you really if if you're into like what are the feelies going to be remembered for?
1: Cr- yeah. Crazy rhythms is yeah, the roots of the tree start there and you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. Henry, what's our last record we're covering this week? We're going to talk about a band that I knew precious little about before I started looking into it. <laughs> it is Judas Priest.
0: And the album is British Steel, and we are going to hear the song United.
1: Okay, why did you pick united? okay, I picked United for, I, not because I think it's I a, listened to it I thought it was I thought it was an interesting of all the songs to pick you would do that one i so the reason I picked United was
0: I, 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 listening to this album multiple times uh-huh um I couldn't place United with any of the other songs. It's like it's I do, thing that's, and then I, I, do, I do
1: that's why you did because like,
0: I, I realized it would be a wonderful. LGBTQ <laughs> <Yeah>. anthem now <laughs> thanks, now
1: thanks Rob Halford was trying to tell us so
0: I think Rob Halford then was trying to scream I'm gay I think he was <laughs> I think he was trying to write an anthem uh, a uh, Queen right, right, right type anthem that they ought to use now and so I was like man if if, if people <laughs> who hate Judas Priest uh, or gay people probably don't like Judas Priest at all, check out this song United. You guys should really use this song because to me it is just a direct answer to We Are the Champions by Queen. Um But anyway, it's not indicative of the album. Here's my thoughts on the album, Henry. Going into most of the metal albums that we're going to cover uh on this show, I know we have to cover metal, and I am – abjectly not a metal guy neither one of us are this is the second metal record quote unquote that i think we've covered right well yeah. the van halen record may have been a metal record yeah too. that's still considered but, metal but the blizzard of oz the oz, ozzy osborne record is definitely a metal record i again was pleasantly surprised it started out exactly what i thought it sounded to me kind of that this is did be- you
1: listen to the American version or did you listen to the to the British one? That's- Boy, I don't know.
0: I listened to the one that's on A- Spotify, uh, Apple Music, or Spotify. Do oh, yeah. you think they're the same?
1: I don't know. So the, the there's b- only one. The on- U.S. version starts with the big hit. Um, no, the other right. That's the one I was. Okay, to. so
0: my first impression of that song was, "Oh shit, this is going to exactly what I thought it was," which is they're barely different than Motorhead. And Motorhead and Priest, to me, have this very English kind of working man's kind of metal. They're not hair metal. They're not being flashy. They're just fucking getting on with it. And I don't really like it. As the album moved forward, I thought it got better and better. You
1: can listen to it in the right order.
0: That's what it was. Okay. And then when I got to United, I was just
1: like, fuck these guys. I didn't. This is. And did you notice how the the guitars were mic'd? Like, they sounded like real guitars. Oh, yeah, they, they weren't overly processed. No, no. On this one. I bet you they fucked it up later. So this, and but, this,
0: this record is,
1: is night and day different than Blizzard of Oz. Yeah. Like,
0: to call both of those records metal records today it's Is almost
1: wrong. Is weird. Because you listen to Ozzy next to him. It sounds like a pop out. His sounds like a pop out. Ozzy sound like, like a pop out. These
0: guys sound like working man's fucking get in there and make your metal. Now, I will, I will say this Henry, and I know you're more of a lyric guy than I am. I found the lyrics to some of the songs to be a, I didn't a notice laughable and honestly, a, I didn't notice on this some one. Some of them are like, you know, like <laughs> you know, the one song's about something like evil. So it's just like, this is what evil is and evil like and I like my evil this way. But like other than that, I thought it was really I liked it. And I'm going to This is going to be my second recommend um, if you're a casual or a definite metalhead, you've probably already heard this record, but go back and check out British Steel. If you don't like metal at all, but you need a complete 80s experience, this is a good, this is a good
1: one. I mean, this is considered one of the best metal albums I know. Of all time. And I
0: hate to even say, like, I know metalheads are probably like, of course it's good. And of course you liked it because it's fucking British Steel. But the, I was pleasantly surprised. I was expecting Henry to be like, I'm going to have to pull the plug on this by track
1: six. I, you know, I'd always been, af- as a kid, I'd always been afraid of this music for some reason. I think I, I, I think it's just, I think it was the, um, it was the record cover, like, I mean, which is kind of disturbing. It's, it's a razor, a guy holding a razor blade and it's seemingly cutting into his fingertips and he's not bleeding. Right. Which is kind of creepy on its face. Like, they said, Rob Halford said, we thought if we, we had put blood on it, it would have been over the top, you know. <laughs> but it turns out that not having blood on it makes it even weird, sur- more surreal. And they named it this, not because, I mean, for the obvious implications, but like, I could, apparently, Glenn Tipton, who was like the guitar player, was once an apprentice at the British Steel Place. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure
0: I was the opposite of you So like I loved All the imagery Of heavy metal When I was a kid So yeah. like I loved Iron Maiden's Eddie And I loved the monster My first exposure To Judas Priest Again was MTV You got another thing coming
1: You got another But which that was, was later but with, Right
0: But which is on an album Called Screaming for Vengeance Which I <laughs> I'm sorry
1: Hang on man That Have you seen the cover? I loved the cover. Screaming
0: Screaming for Vengeance. Screaming for Vengeance. That's fucking amazing.
1: So as a kid,
0: I I had an older brother, again, who had a lot of Molly Hatchet records, which I don't know if you ever saw the covers of those. Looked like Lord of the Rings shit. Yes, I do. But Screaming for Vengeance was... I love that record cover. I just hated metal music. But um, again, I was pleasantly surprised. I think you should go back. I'm going to recommend this record. Henry obviously loves all the imagery associated with uh
1: Judas Well, Green. I'm consistently surprised at you and and let's talk about United. Is it it's not even a metal song. It's it kind of the guitars are turned down way too far on that mix. It's interesting. I really think it was Did a you direct
0: response to uh, uh the Queen song which was already out at this time, right? We I are guess. the champion.
1: I guess they
0: they I mean, were- I feel like he was like I'm not going to be out Queen by Queen, but I'm not going to I can't there see was, it alone.
1: He said there was some discussion uh, on the band amongst the band over whether to use a razor blade because that was a punk thing. Right. And you know punk and metal guys didn't go together, right? And but and he but they co-opted it anyway and one of their guitar players started wearing a like dying back Daryl would wear razor blades around his neck. So it's yeah, like it's they interesting took, they stole the, ru- w- w- the razor blades back from the punks.
0: Remembering that time, I felt there was a definite delineation between punk and metal. And now I look back and think
1: there wasn't no, much.
0: Well, for some, like Motorhead and Priest were kind of punkish. hair metal was not. But I mean, I, a lot yeah. of, a lot of people now that like think of themselves as punk guys. If you go to the clubs we hang out in, there's people that, openly love motorhead like they don't think that motorhead
1: is not lemmy
0: is metal they well, think of him as and i think judas priest is right in there i, I think this, they sound a lot like this motorhead. is
1: the second metal record that i was pleasantly surprised right about and you want to, and are you going to recommend it uh yeah i think i think anybody who um who likes music should give this a spin all right, let's uh, let's wrap things up, and let's
0: go to our picks of the week. I'm going to let you uh, or oh, pick of the month. I don't so know how to hard. label this.
1: This is so hard. What is like, your pick for April of 1980? My pick for April of 1980 will be Crazy Rhythms by the Feelies. That's not a shocker. Of course, this is not a surprise. No, I think everyone owes it to themselves to listen to that record. Okay, and. Uh, I think it was a
0: good record. I'm not going to recommend that one. My recommends for the month were Los Angeles by X and British Steel by Judas Priest. So i got to stick to one of those two. I'm going to go with British Steel by Judas Priest as my recommend. If you really want a deep dive in what the 80s sounded like, check out Judas Priest, British Steel.
1: Did you know that they named that after a Bob Dylan song? They named their band after that. I didn't know that. No. Yeah, it's called "The Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest." There you go. I had. Did I mean, you know a Henry, metal band named after a Bob Dylan? Did song. you know
0: Henry? And obviously you didn't. That they had a record later after this
1: one called "Screaming for Vengeance." <laughs> <laughs> hey, KTL Records proudly British Steel. With the follow-up, Death. Screaming for Vengeance. Death flip. No, it's the k is The the British Steel is the K-Tel. Like, that's the one thing about that record. Oh, you're
0: that definitely did... right. You're right. I'm sorry. That's you know true. I mean?
1: There was a Tell yeah. collection
0: called British Steel. And I was, was
1: like, holy shit.
0: Let me tell you, though, uh, 82 and 84, they had put two records out in a row, which had two of my favorite album covers. They were called Screaming for Vengeance in 1982. And then... <laughs> Nineteen eighty four. Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. Defender of the faith. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what faith?
0: They believed in God? They were defending the faith. Uh well look God. at the album cover and I think it's it will show you. That's the Defender of the Faith.
1: Oh man, that was badass.
0: Right? Look at Screaming from the It looks is.
1: like Transformers.
0: Right. Right.
1: That's the that's the best. Priest. Look right. look <laughs> Scream what do you think they were so pissed about? I mean, what do they, what are they, do they, did they get attacked or something? Screaming for me. Against who? God damn it. That
0: sounds like some
1: terrorist shit.
0: Well, Henry, before you take us out, let me tell the folks what we're going to be covering in May. And guess okay. what? May is going to be our first two-episode month because we've got a lot of records to cover. But uh we're going to cover, in the first half, we're going to cover the English Beat. Um, We're going to cover The Cure, a record by Diana Ross. A record by Waylon Jennings and a record by the pretenders. So we got a lot of variation there and a lot of good stuff. Henry, how can people find us uh on the interwebs?
1: You and things can like find that? us, you can find us on can't find us on Spotify now, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, you can find us on Stitcher. if you search for eighties Music Exposed, you'll find us. We're on Twitter, we're not on mm-hmm. Facebook. We about we we about told Facebook. Uh uh-uh. uh.
0: Yeah, we got a. And we got a Twitter handle.
1: Yes, it's called at 80s Exposed. Rocking, I love it. So you can find that, and um, we'd be, we'd love to hear from you, talk to us, tell us what's up,
0: tell us what we're doing good, and what we're and what not we suck doing at. So Well, and and if there's records that we miss that you want covered, let us know. We can go back and cover it. It's our fucking show. We'll do what we want. Yeah, we'll go back and do March again. By God, we'll do. If you find five more records from March that you want covered. Well, we probably won't. I'll listen to it, but
1: we might do it. It Depends on what it is, (laughs) right? If they make us, when did "Screaming for Vengeance" come (laughs) out? That's eighty. That's eighty-two. Fuck! I gotta wait two years. (laughs) Hey, Chris, what? I made you a mixtape.